0: This is Michael Badgley, and you're listening to the Chargers Podcast Network.
1: What's up, guys? Chris Henry with you on a Week 4 edition of Chargers Weekly as the Bolts head east to face Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks. We have an awesome episode ahead coming up a little bit later. Evan Washburn, who will be, I guess, patrolling the lower bowl this Sunday for Chargers Bucks. He'll join us a little bit later We'll also be joined by the voice of the Chargers, Matt Money-Smith, to see what's on the menu for Week 4 Powered by Subway. But first, we catch up with the man who will be on the call this Sunday for Chargers Bucks, the great Iron Eagle. Iron, how are you, sir? Hey, Chris. Great to see you. Hey, listen, it's always a treat when you're on a Chargers game, and this could be a good one. I I think we're we're tracking to see the youngest starting quarterback in the NFL – against the oldest, who also happens to be the greatest of all time.
2: Yeah, I have a feeling that might be part of the narrative on Sunday down in Tampa. Look, we're all still getting used to the idea of Tom Brady wearing a different uniform than the New England Patriots. We've seen improvement each week from not just Brady, but the Buccaneers offense as a whole. And while Tom talked about playing to the age of 45 a few years ago and people just laughed it off, this is a real thing. He's 43 years old. And just watching the way that he has performed through the first three games for the Buccaneers, there's no reason to believe there's going to be this huge drop off where he would not be able to actually achieve it. 45 is very much on the table for Tom Brady.
1: It is, and he's getting better, it seems, each and every game. I think three touchdowns last week, good game against the Broncos. You flip it over to the other side, Justin Herbert, he didn't even know he was going to start week two, and (laughs) darn near almost beats the Kansas City Chiefs, and I know you called that Chiefs-Ravens game on Monday night. These just early impressions of Justin Herbert under center for the Chargers.
2: Yeah, very poised, and maybe in a way, Chris, better that he didn't know, uh, just yeah. go out and perform, not even think about it, didn't have all of the butterflies because he didn't have to face the questions throughout the week. His understanding was he would be the backup, the unfortunate situation with Tyrod Taylor, and it pushes Justin into this primetime role, and he handled it incredibly well. Uh, the, the questions will be when teams have tape, more tape on him. And as he settles in, uh, reality does also set in that That's right. you're the guy, you're the man. Uh, I- I've been really impressed with him, the way he handles himself. He's clearly a really smart guy. He's got all the physical tools that you look for. I, I thought it was a terrific story, just the background with his family and... <laughs> Uh, The group text. They had no idea. (laughs) No idea. And just imagine that, this dream come true, and you don't even know in the moment because you didn't expect it. But uh, a lot of potential, and, yeah, maybe this was not the clock that L.A. had counted on, but to know that this young guy could handle it the way that he did, that's a really good sign moving forward.
1: And this is a completely different offense. You throw everything out the window from last year with no Phillip Rivers. Uh, but a couple of the constants, Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler. I think Austin Eckler is the leader in the AFC in yards from scrimmage and, and uh, Keenan Allen, a leader in targets and receptions. Some things don't change. It looks like Keenan, who was targeted 19 times last week, has already found that rapport with Justin Harper.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, the numbers don't lie, and you could see that Justin was relying – on the KG veteran when he needed a big throw. It was Keenan Allen that was on the receiving end. Uh, Look, we've seen what the salaries look like around the NFL for the top level wide receivers. There's a reason why the Chargers committed to Keenan Allen. Uh, He's one of the best at, at what he does. His physical skills along with how much he takes the route running seriously. Uh, yeah. That, that to me, has been what separates him. He's just a gifted route runner, which means he's a true student of the game. Austin Eckler, I remember his rookie year when I had to do deep research just to figure out where he went to college. Western what State. <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. And uh, to to see where he is now and, and to watch him grow. We've done production meetings with Austin when he was just starting – to get some actual playing time. And you could just tell uh, how well liked he was, how uh, gratifying it was for him to achieve this. But I never sensed that this was an individual that thought, all right, I made it, I'm good, I I defy the odds. Uh, He's someone that that carried this, this confidence about him yeah. That has now revealed itself after the big money contract and now more responsibility. Uh, I, I would feel really good, if I'm a Charger fan, about that combination moving forward. At the skill positions, L.A. has got it locked down.
1: You know, three years ago, you, you think of Austin Eckler as an undrafted free agent and now being the elder statesman in the running backs room, being a leader on this team. So, Justin Herbert has great – you add Hunter Henry and Mike Williams to the mix, uh, a nice set of, of weapons. You flip it over to defense, and you've called countless Tom Brady Patriot games. What's the, the toughest thing you have to account for with Tom Brady and just getting to him? Because if you can get some pressure, I think particularly on the interior, uh, it could go a long way to, to disrupting him a little bit.
2: I don't know if you heard, Chris. He's not fast.
1: He's, not, he's breaking news. <laughs> he's never been
2: fast. We've seen the tape. Uh, we understand that. Tom likes to, to joke around about it. Uh, there was one year where he ran for a fairly long touchdown for him. And my call on the play was, he's a cheetah. And we had him a couple of weeks later. And, and Tom, in the production meeting, uh, he gave me a wink. Like, he knows. He gets it. But here's the thing. There's a pocket presence that is unmatched. He senses things. He feels pressure and he's been doing that throughout his career. He compensates for the fact that he's not considered the most mobile, but it doesn't mean that he isn't agile. There is a difference and that agility gets him out of spots and allows him to make the plays downfield. Obviously his accuracy has been talked about for years and years and it deserves as much praise as it's received. Every pass he will look back on and view exactly what went right, what went wrong. That's right. And my, my sense of it with Tom, because he's a perfectionist, uh, he's always learning. He never sees himself as a finished product and that's probably what's led to the greatness and the highest level of achievement. He's never ever just okay with his performance he's always looking for that little extra something
1: that's right and you know Joey Bosa when you have the injuries that the Chargers do unfortunately on the defensive side of the football with no Derwin James no Drew Tranquil no Melvin Ingram Justin Jones Chris Harris Jr all these guys unfortunately within the span of three four weeks go down Um, they still have a a pretty solid pass rush with, with Bosa and Tillery and Uchenna but you know, I, I want to get you out of here on this. I just your overall thoughts through the first three or four weeks of the NFL season, obviously a season unlike any other. Unfortunately, we're seeing some injuries. Um, and We still don't know maybe other than Kansas City and Green Bay, Seattle. Uh, there, there's a few teams that I think haven't really showed themselves yet.
2: Yeah, Chris, as you know, I do a lot of games between TV and radio over the course of an NFL season. And I have found in my preparation that I have to set up a separate area on my boards just for injuries because they're piling up across the league. Every team is feeling it some more than others. And we can't really have a determination if it's simply a cause and effect from a lack of a preseason or the strange offseason that we went through, it's still going to require more time to, to determine that from a broadcaster's point of view. It's been very different. Uh, I've been doing the NFL for 23 years, and what I've grown accustomed to is covering events, the fanfare, uh, the sounds, the stimuli inside the stadium, the buildup, the tailgating. All of it is part of the event. What I'm covering right now are games, and there's yeah. a very distinct, Difference between the two. I think the television presentation has been so good that fans, for the most part at home, of course, you might see an empty seat here, an empty section there, but the feel of it is similar to what you're accustomed to. But when you're there and you're in it, there is such a stark contrast to what we're familiar with week in and week out around the NFL. So I think that has been an adjustment for some players. Uh, we talked to some guys week one, week two, asked them, you know, what's been the biggest challenge? And it's uh, BYOJ, bring your own juice. That's
1: right. you got to figure own out
2: own. a way to get yourself motivated. You don't have the influence of the crowd that you have become so accustomed to throughout your career, college and NFL. Uh, so it, it's been unique. And from the broadcaster's perspective, it's still our job. Tell the story. and convey what's happening out there on the field but as far as comparing it to what it was and what it is now uh, of course there's no comparison the hope is that one day we can get back there and uh, we can feel that energy again that we normally feel at the venue
1: no question and it sounds like fans a limited number of fans will be there sunday for, (laughs) for chargers bucks so a little bit of normalcy at the end of the day, I'm happy we have football back. I'm happy you're calling this game, and I hope this is the first of many Charger games for you guys, Charles Davis, Evan Washburn. Yeah. All right, I can't thank you enough for your time, and uh, look forward to seeing you down the line.
2: Chris, great seeing you. Uh, I got to tell you, I-, I love the fact that we get the action back. What I do miss is the interaction, and that's mm-hmm. something that's irreplaceable.
1: It is. Next time, I hope this is in person. It's simple. you know, let's <laughs> let's make this happen, man.
2: <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna touch elbows. I know it.
1: I got you. Let's do a little virtual elbow right You're now, right? I right? <laughs> right, thanks so much. Great seeing you. All right, time to see what's on the menu for Week Four, powered by Subway, with the voice of the Chargers, Matt Whitney Smith. Money. We don't need to dwell on last week, but that hook and ladder. I was thinking about how epic of a call it would have been and how I would have heard it on Inside the NFL, ESPN, NFL Network. All week long, Justin Herbert would have been a legend and so would Matt Money Smith.
3: Well, either I would have been a legend or I probably would have got fired because I think um, <laughs> I was we, I was excited when I saw it developing. You know, you're so high up from the, in the broadcast booth. You're on the seventh level, and that play was right in front of us as opposed, you know, we're in the corner of the end zone as opposed to being on the other side of the field. So... When you're that high, it's like watching the coach's film and it's all right in front of you. So we see it develop and I'm watching Austin streaking and I just got, you know, the adrenaline started pumping. So I think I probably would have acted like a complete fool. Um, I don't know. I I honestly thought maybe I'd be singing like peanut butter,
1: jelly time, peanut butter, jelly time. Like it would have been ugly. It would have been stupid. Everyone would have been singing with you. though. That's the thing. It would have been legendary stuff. Uh, I I look at all these stats with the Chargers. They're they're sixth in yards. They they were great on third down. 29th in scoring, you know, and and obviously the the turnovers, uh, the penalties, I think the fundamentals and the discipline, that all needs to come together against Tom Brady and the Bucs.
3: You know, Justin Herbert's doing it differently, and I know people are going to hate to hear this word when I make the comparison, Um, but it's very similar to the Raiders offense of last year where everyone's like, Oh, look at Derek Carr's completion percentage. Oh, look at them on third down. You know, they're the number five offense in the league. And you're like, yeah. And they're scoring 18 points a game and they're seven and nine. And that's, you got to punch it in the end zone, you know, and that's, that's the reality. And man, it was, I thought, I thought the game against the Panthers, unfortunately reminded me of so much from last year and what plagued this team, which is, you get in the red zone, and you had back-to-back goal-to-goes that were pushed back to the twenty by illegal hands to the face, and two different situations. Now, one resulted in a touchdown, but one didn't. Um, and you just and that happened all the time last year. They would get into goal to go, and next thing you know, holding penalty, ineligible man downfield, offensive pass interference, and it just felt like this game reminded me so much of what we had to live through. In calling games last year where you're like, man, this, they look like the better team out there, but they're not going to win the game. And it's just I've got to imagine for the players and coaches, it's awfully frustrating to see those numbers, the fact that they were 75% on third down were great against third down uh, defensively, and they just couldn't score points.
1: This defense has always been that bend but don't break, too. I mean, I think the Panthers were one for six in the red zone. That, that, that Joey Sly, if the Panthers didn't have Joey Sly, maybe maybe the Chargers would have won. But yeah. I mean, it, it's bend but don't break. They, they held up. But at the same time, when you have two rookies with three turnovers in the first half, you got to get at least one. you got to get at least one, yeah. maybe two, to, to try to even that up a little bit.
3: Yeah. And I think, you know, it's definitely an adjustment that's going to have to be made because we've now seen it two weeks in a row where the defense has been stout. uh, They have frustrated the opposing quarterback, but the adjustment the quarterback makes is just getting the ball out quick. You know, they're not pushing it downfield. And that's to some degree playing into the offense's hands. Now it's great that they, they don't break and they do hold them to field goals, but when they're running seven, eight minutes off the clock on a drive, and the Chargers are turning it over or they're not cashing it in for any points, you're going to dig yourself a hole or you're going to keep a team around like you did with the Chiefs two weeks ago because you're not cashing it in for touchdowns and all that bend doesn't break, all it does is it runs the clock out and yeah. you end up at the end of the game like, holy cow, we outplayed the Chiefs, but we're going to overtime. And I would assume that's not something the coaches or players want to be saying to each other standing on the sideline. Um, I think the other issue is and again, just kind of speaking to that, you heard it come from Coach Lynn after the game. He's like, look, we, we got to figure out how to take the ball away. Uh, it's great that we're top three in points allowed, but if we're not taking a ball away and we're negative in the turnover differential, probably going to lose the game. Because yeah. if you just, you know, look at the historical stats for the Chargers since Coach Lynn became the, uh, the head coach, if they're negative one, they haven't won a game. They're 0 and 6. If they're negative three, like they were, I don't even count the fourth one. If they're negative three, I think yeah. they were 2 and 15. So it's like you, you got to turn – if that means more blitzing or what playing more man, more press man, and just trying to force the action, I think it's worth taking a shot or two on that.
1: Yeah, it's such a simple formula, too. I mean, it's, it's not hard. I mean, if you turn the ball over, you're going to lose. And, and that's yeah. what has kind of plagued the team the last two years. Uh, you know, I think offensively, what I liked from Justin Herbert was that perseverance, man. When you make a couple tough mistakes – and he said it in his post-game press conference. What an opportunity to go 99 yards and try to win the game. He darn near almost did that, money. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's what you
3: heard from Coach and from Tom Telesco after the game. You know that that's what you want. You got to have that. Got to have a chalkboard. You know, you you can't have uh, you can't have a sharpie and a, and a legal pad. It's got to be a whiteboard that you can erase. And you got to forget those mistakes and move on to the next drive and just bounce back. And you know he did that. And and look, there was some great, that that throw to Keenan for a touchdown was brilliant. I mean, it, th- those are the splash plays that you see that get you excited. And and look, that's raw talent, you know. And it's it's also some muscle memory, right? Cuz he had to duck out of the way of a pass rush, kept his eyes downfield, you know. I'm, I'm not trying to say that Justin Herbert's better than Lamar Jackson, but you look at what happened to Lamar when the rush got to him, he drops his eyes, he's running around, he's fumbling the ball, he's taken 25-yard sacks you know, in Justin's defense, his eyes are always downfield. Yeah. And, and that's how that pass to Keenan happens. In just a split second, that he's able to duck his shoulder and with that arm strength, uh, put that ball, you know, in, in, the, in the place. I mean, maybe it was a little bit low, but in a place where only Keenan could get it and it couldn't be picked off. And that's what you get excited about. And I think that's kind of where you have to, if you're going to celebrate that, well, then you got to accept that there's going to be some mistakes. There's going to be bad interceptions that he didn't see you know a safety creeping underneath that that was there waiting for for a pass you know like like he threw to keenan uh two weeks ago against the chiefs or just trying to force the ball in when a corner clearly had a step you know on his receiver that's going to intercept it so you know the fumble wasn't on him he just didn't feel the pressure coming from belaga that they just kind of you know let that block go there um and clearly he's ailing a little bit because he has not looked like the way he looked in that first week so you know They'll, they'll adjust. And I, I got confidence in them. Like you said, that 99 and a half yard, you know, almost 99 and a half yard drive, I think builds a lot of confidence having to convert third and fourth downs to keep it going.
1: All NFL teams go through it. Some teams get hit harder than others. Uh, the chargers, that, that injury bug, man, continues to bite them. You look at the defense, third one, James goes down, Drew Tranquil goes down. You put Justin Jones, Melvin Ingram, and now Chris Harris Jr. All on IR. Hopefully some of those guys come back sooner than later. Um, Depth is being tested on both sides of the ball. The offensive line, Trey Turner was inactive. Brian Bulaga goes out. You lose Mike Pouncey. This is one of those weeks where you got to find a way to win, and, and with the guys you have, guys have to step up in the absence of some of these big name players.
3: Well, when you know when you're down, so many talented players, you can't. You got to play mistake free football, and, yeah. and going to the defense, man. I gotta believe that for for Coach Lynn and Coach Bradley, it's it's gotta just be maddening, you know, to extend. And look, Joey's Joey Bosa is one of the most, you know, the, the, one of the best pass rushers, if not the best pass rusher in the NFL. And you know, when you jump on hard counts, you know, two out of three weeks now to extend drives that end up resulting in points, man, that's tough. And I know it's hard because he's trying to time that thing, and he's so darn good at what he does, but. It's frustrating. You know, the, I think it was Tillery that lined up over the center that turned three points into six. Yeah. Um, you know, like that's just, you got to clean that up. You, you just cannot, when, when you have no Melvin Ingram, Derwin James, Justin Jones, like you said, now no Chris Harris, and now you're going up against Tom Brady, man, you better play a clean game. You, you cannot afford to give, you know, it's bad enough when you give Teddy Bridgewater extra possessions um, and extra first downs. Uh, it, it's, it's death if you do that to Tom Brady.
1: So what's on the menu in Tampa Bay? What do the Chargers need to do to, to get to 2-2 two and two against Tom Brady, 43 years old versus 22-year-old Justin Herbert?
3: Well, you know, in, in watching the, the Bronco game, which I, I just did, um, one thing's for, for certain, you got to get there up the middle. You know, they were getting pressure. Bradley Chubb was getting pressure on the edges, and Tom was just climbing the pocket and, and killing them underneath. Um, I, think, I think Gronk's average route depth was about a yard and a half. And he was pulling, you know, seven, eight yards off those completions. He was targeting Scotty Miller a ton on these just crossers and deep shots. And he was hauling them in. So no Chris Godwin, which means you'll see a lot more of him. And, you know, and then as soon as he got in the red zone, it was Mike Evans time. Um, Wasn't all that, you know, wasn't all that impressed by the run game this week. Now, two weeks ago, the run game was solid. So it it looks like it's Yeah, exactly. Against Carolina, which is... You know why it's kind of baffling that that the Chargers weren't able to do a little bit better in that category. Granted, it was turnovers; they were, you know, they were sure. rushing for over four yards a carry. But you know, so I think in terms of defensively, you know, hopefully it's it's Tillery. And I don't know if you're, you know, you maybe think about putting Joey in there as well and and maybe throwing Tillery on the outside, you know, because they were playing at some big end and putting you know Bosa against one of those interior linemen because they certainly seem to be a little bit leaky against the Broncos and. And when they were, that's when when Brady got frustrated. Uh, sack, fumble, uh, a couple different sacks in there, and, and he gets frustrated. Um, and certainly, that's what you got to do. I, I think defensively, offensively, it's gonna be tough. Shaq Barrett's good, man. That dude can freaking rush the passer. And He's really good. you and know, but White he, is good as well. Exactly. So I mean, they're they they're good on defense. That that that's probably one of the more underreported storylines for for the Bucks. Is that's a solid front, solid like you mentioned. White linebacking core, solid secondary. Uh, It's going to be, it's going to be a tough, tough day. And again, I think it's just mistake free football. Um, And hopefully, hopefully we get some good news on the offensive line because I think they're going to need it. Uh, They're going to need Trey Turner and, and and Balaga out there for certain. If you're talking about, you know, basically the entire line, save Sam Tevy, who, you know, had to win the the job in, in training camp at, at left tackle, you you could argue well it's your backup left guard because Dan Feeney's your backup center. It's your backup right guard, you know, be it Groyer, St. Louis, and it's your backup right tackle and Pipkins. That's that's gonna be tough. So yeah, hopefully man. they get some good news on the health front.
1: That's the thing. How do you combat that money? Because I I, I would love to see Justin take shots down the field because I think that's what he's great at. Um, but he needs the time to do that. So you know it's it's that it's that balance of okay, do you have the personnel? To have Justin kind of drop back because I tell you what, that was a beautiful pass to Mike Williams down down the field. and got called for offensive pass interference. I'd love to see more of that from number ten. Yeah,
3: yeah, and I'll tell you, man, I, I just you, you hate to to relive calls. You don't deserve to win a game if you turn the ball over four times. You know, and again, I'll just say three times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just it's big. when you're negative three in the turnover department, you're probably going to lose that game. So I'm not making excuses, but man. That is just such a tough call to, to make. You know, it's not like it was a straight, stiff arm. It's just kind of their arm fighting together. And I think it was the flag was thrown because those two defensive backs got their feet tangled and went tumbling to the ground. Uh, if that doesn't happen, I don't think that flag comes out. So that's frustrating. Um, but, but, you know, the good news is it's there. And, and look, Herbert was under pressure against the Panthers. They were, it was so weird, you know, and watching their first two games, they rushed three 95% of the time. Uh, yeah. It's almost like they were setting up for this particular game. They didn't have a sack. They had one quarterback pressure. And then in this game, they're bringing blitz 50, 70% of the time. They're bringing five guys at him. And he stood up and he stood tall in the face of it. You know, he still threw for 300 yards. He still completed over 60% of his passes. Uh, the interception wasn't great. There was a sack fumble. There probably should have been a second interception in there that was dropped by Trey Boston. Um, but. You know, I'm I'm excited that he keeps his eyes downfield and he's he's still, you know, it's sort of that innate ability, right? To 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 feel the rush when you can't see it. And I feel like he's getting there. Um that 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 he may have that. And that boy, that is a special quality to have a quarterback.
1: It's fun seeing him progress each week. I mean, he targeted Keenan 19 times, which is which is crazy. But uh, I I asked him about that after the game, and I, I think it's just the combination of hey, he's comfortable with him, but he trusts him. And he gets open, you know, bottom line. You know, we have a guy like that that gets open. But Hunter, Austin, uh, I think eventually Mike, uh, the trust is going to be there and the chemistry is going to be built throughout the course of a a 16-game season. So I think we're just kind of scratching the surface with this thing.
3: Yeah, I'll, I'll be anxious to see, you know, what kind of personnel they're running out there against the Bucs, especially if the the line's beat up. You know, maybe you start seeing more three tight end sets and just throw Keenan and, and Mike out there, you know, and, and you're not playing three receivers. Um, I, I think that would probably make – look, I mean, Austin's great in, in pass pro, so I, I think you do that, you know, you, you just run two guys out in the route, and, and then you've got – And also, I would just like to see Herbert run more, man. I really would. I think if you're going to run those RPOs or you're going to run zone read, you know, I'd like to see him on the mesh just keep it. Um, And again, I don't know why he's not because it's certainly something he did all the time at Oregon. I mean, he ran his ass off and we're just not seeing it. And the runs are there. I mean, they are there. So hopefully he goes back and, and watches the film and recognizes, hey, this is a way to to really slow down a pass rush and and get them on their heels because if they're flying upfield and you're flying the other direction, they're going to slow that roll in a hurry.
1: Well, buddy, I I wish we were going to be at Raymond James. This this would have been a fun one to see Brady and Herbert up close, but uh, we'll be listening to you on Sunday and hopefully that peanut butter, I can't even say it, peanut butter (laughs) jelly time. Peanut butter jelly time. (laughs) Peanut butter jelly time. Peanut butter jelly. Peanut butter jelly. Peanut butter jelly.
3: Oh, wait, here we go. I would go... uh, Peanut butter jelly, Keenan pitched it back. There we go. That would have been the call. (laughs) That's it. Probably not, but hey, it's nice to dream. (laughs) I'll see you next week, brother. All right, you got it, Chris.
1: All right, Bolts fans, before we get to Evan Washburn, this season Pizza Hut, they're hooking it up with the Bolt to the Hut bundle deal that includes an exclusive Chargers poster. For $14.99, Chargers fans will receive a large three topping pizza and a Chargers poster. Right now, it's the Austin Eckler poster that's available collect all six-player posters throughout the season. Visit PizzaHut.com slash deals to see if your local Pizza Hut is participating in the greater LA area. Offers available for pickup or delivery while supplies last. All right, let's bring in Evan Washburn. And Evan, normally I would be saying you'd be all over the sidelines. I have to replace that, I
0: guess, with maybe the lower bowl in 2020. Is that what it is? Yeah, I think we're, we're officially uh, coining it and calling it the, uh, the moat has been the term the I've heard. And uh, yeah, it's, it's required uh, a bit of an adjustment on my part, but through three weeks, I'll be honest with you, Chris, uh, it hasn't held back our ability to do our job and, and make sure that people at home are getting all the information uh, and the guys up in the booth are getting all the information they need from us down on the sidelines. So that's been good.
1: What have been the adjustments for you? Uh, because, you know, you're, you're a storyteller down there. You're also giving up to the minute information on, on both teams.
0: I would say it's required a lot more logistical thinking ahead of a game. And then once you're in it, hopefully that allows you to to move freely. Because as you mentioned, we're in the lower bowl first row. And I've gotten to know what stadium's designs are. How do you get from either side? Uh, Because normally you're on the sideline. You can just do a quick jog around Uh, the end zone there Mm -hmm. and that's a big part of the gig I mean you're not just standing there watching the game you've got to cover both sidelines make sure you're you're not missing anyone that might be dealing with an injury that's largely uh, where where your focus is so that that's been something uh, I've been lucky enough to have an added uh, element and and resource and and a producer with me so that we can cover both sidelines and I'll still go to the other side, but I'm not going to get there as quick as I normally would. So another set of eyes. And then stuff like talking to coaches at halftime. That's still something we do, we need to do, we want to do. So some coaches, it's been over the phone. Some have met me at a portion of the tunnel. Others have had other ways they want to do it. Normally, I just run in with a guy or run out with Anthony Lynn. So just stuff like that um, has required a little bit more thought in the days and hours leading up.
1: You know, there's no shortage of, of storylines in this one. I think it, you look at the quarterbacks, it, we could be seeing the the youngest quarterback in the NFL versus the greatest of all time in the oldest. I think probably first glance, that's what you're looking at, number one.
0: Yeah, I mean, you always start with the QBs uh, for the most part, and, and this one would definitely be that case, just because Tom is still figuring things out there in Tampa, and this is our first chance to get – Eyes on him in person as a network with CBS, so I know that that's a big deal. And then Justin, uh, who's thrust in there in a really unique way in week two, but has looked very comfortable and has really played, in my opinion, extremely well and has made some incredible throws and, and really handled himself impressively for a guy, as you mentioned, who's still so young.
1: The age difference, I think, is twenty years, seven months, and seven days to to, to be exact. I don't think there's ever been a a bigger age gap between two quarterbacks. But you mentioned Justin; how comfortable he looked in these first two games. He didn't even know he was going to start week two. Made a a couple of rookie mistakes last week, but uh, you know, I've talked about it all week. Just the perseverance to nearly go ninety-nine yards. They were a hook and ladder away from from winning that game against Carolina. Uh, What have you seen from Justin, not only on tape, but just you know, talking to people around the league and, and, and their thoughts on this young man, only 22 years old. Well, I'm,
0: I'm really struck by his, his pocket presence and awareness. And, and we all knew the athlete he was, Chris, coming out of Oregon and the plays he could make with his legs. And he's done some of that through his two starts. But those plays where he's, he's feeling the rush, keeping his eyes downfield, two hands on the ball, stepping up in the pocket – fire in a pass, whether it be the Keenan Allen touchdown or just some of the plays downfield, that's where I've really been impressed. The arm strength I knew was something that was, that that people were impressed by again, coming out of Oregon, but again, to see it on an NFL field with pass rush coming out of the pocket, making plays where he doesn't have that solid footing and the great platform to get it off. I mean, those are the things that struck me. And and I think, We're continuing in the discussion around Justin will continue over the course of this year, as long as he has the job, however long that is. And then when he takes over um, in earnest here, whenever that may be, is going to be, yeah, the turnovers, but uh, the, the personality side of things, he seems comfortable, his teammates, and you would know better than I, but seemed to really rally around him. That was such a hot button issue during the draft process. Did he have that alpha personality necessary? Uh, I, I think one thing, guys respond to being thrown into that moment, um, teammates, and, and not seeing them flinch at all.
1: That's right. And it's all about results. And, you know, offensively, uh, it helps that he has weapons like Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler and, and Hunter Henry. Uh, on the other side, Tom Brady, you've called countless Patriots games. How strange is it going to be for you to, to
0: see Tom in Tampa making start 287 on Sunday? It's really strange, Chris. I mean, I I do think outside of maybe Baltimore, I don't know, over the course of the last seven years, New England is the organization we've covered the most, and that's been a lot of Tom Brady. And it it is – it's still odd for me doing prep, watching him play for Tampa, but then listening to him talk, he's still got the same approach, his attention to details through the roof, never satisfied despite the results, all those things – still exist uh I, I know his energy level and excitement to try and make this thing work with all these new pieces is there so uh i i am i'm truly excited to to see what it's like when you when i can actually be uh physically uh, somewhat distanced but uh in person watching it
1: evan just a couple quick ones for you you know mm-hmm. the afc the landscape We know about the Chiefs, we know about the Ravens, the Steelers look strong out of the gates, the Titans, um, Patriots. There's an extra playoff team this year, and, you know, for the Chargers, these one-score games have really hurt them over the last two seasons. Uh, They have a big stretch where they have Tampa and New Orleans before they come back to the Jets. Uh, What have you seen from the Chargers over these, really, these last three years? They were 12 or 14. Injuries have really hurt them, I think, over the last two seasons. They've been in every game. Uh, I think Chargers fans want to see them them finish this game here Sunday against the Bucks.
0: Absolutely, and 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 I'll say this specific to this year, I, I couldn't be more impressed with how Anthony Lynn and his staff have have kept this thing together. And and you pointed it out. I mean, it's pretty clear that this team could could be three and O. And and you are what you your record says you are. I'm a believer sure. in that. But that doesn't mean you can't describe and depict what occurred to keep a team from winning a close game and last week it was pretty clear it was the penalties and turnovers and and, and again that's where I think the focus lies the injury thing to me is it's not an excuse it's a reality and, and something yeah. that that has to be part of the discussion I mean this is another season where it's not just the total because going through it this week and, and you know this it's it's not as if their IR numbers are consistently atop the league, but it's the impact and the players that are on the IR that, that really hurt the continuity that these te- this team has or doesn't have. And and that's what those groups that you mentioned out of the gate, Kansas City, Baltimore, they've been able to keep continuity for the most part. So uh, I see the Chargers as a team that's going to have a tough stretch here. Uh, everybody knows that, but has shown the capability and the potential to be a team that sneaks into the playoffs with the the benefit of that extra team.
1: And the final thing, you have such a unique vantage point each and every week at these games. Any observations that just, listen, I know a lot of things are just not normal in 2020, but just what you've seen through the first quarter of the season – Obviously, a lot of teams have been staying safe. We we see the news with with uh, Tennessee right now, and and that's kind of a fluid situation as we tape this. But uh, any observations that that may be a little bit out of the ordinary?
0: The whole thing's out of the
1: ordinary. <laughs> the I mean, whole, like, the all I, of twenty twenty, I should it, say.
0: It, it, it's it, it really. I'm I'm incredibly impressed with the way the teams have approached this season under all the protocols that are forcing us to do this on zoom, forcing us as a network and broadcast teams to do things on zoom with coaches and players. But where I really have found the oddity and and something that I'm continuing to work through is the game day experience. Uh, My first three weeks have been in venues without any fans and it is really, really odd. I'm, I'm impressed by the, the, what fans at home are getting with the increased, uh, artificial audio and, and the work that we're doing to try and make it feel normal. But in the stadium, you can't hear any of that. It is yeah. crickets. It's, it's not the audio people are getting at home. So it's forcing us to and more so for I and Charles upstairs to continue to keep that energy up. But I have to find ways to make sure that I'm not harping too much on the environment in the stadium because it's not necessarily what the folks at home are getting. And the performances to me still have been impressive, but what you lack is just these emotional waves that make uh, sports in general, but especially sure. NFL football, so much fun to watch on TV, but for us, when we're more lucky, to experience in person. So it feels more like we're covering a game as opposed to an event. Now, Tampa will be my first stadium that's going to have some fans, reportedly around 10,000. And from everybody I've talked to, that actually makes a huge difference. It oh, makes yeah. it feel a little bit normal, even though we're used to, at some venues, 70,000.
1: Well, you better watch those fans in the moat. Hopefully they're not in the
0: moat in your way of it. Yeah, I, well, I, the, my 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 early scouting it, as I mentioned, you kind of have to get ahead of things, is you're still able to – Avoid most people and, uh, and keep that distance as, as you navigate through. But look, as I said out of the gate, the fact that we're doing this, there's games, um, I'll deal with any logistical challenges might uh, occur. No question, man. Well,
1: hey, I always love when you guys are on a Chargers game, and I hope to see you at SoFi Stadium sooner than later here. It's week four, so I'm hoping that you guys get on the call for a game or two out here in L.A., man. Always appreciate your time, and best of luck on Sunday.
0: Thanks, Chris.
1: All right, guys, that's going to do it for us. A big thanks to Evan Washburn, Matt Money-Smith, and Ian Eagle for joining me. And, of course, thanks to you all for listening. Be sure to download and subscribe to the Chargers Podcast Network, wherever you listen to podcasts. We just debuted Better Half on Tuesday, a new episode of Playmakers on Wednesday, Puro Chargers today, along with Chargers Weekly, and, of course, the final drive after every Chargers game, win, lose, or draw. We'll see you on Sunday for that. Have a great weekend, and until next time. I'm Chris Harey.